my am I good? Hello? Am I on? Alright. There we are. Well, welcome. Uh, people who are here and those who are watching from home or wherever you are. So good to have you with us. I'll tell you what, for as warm of a day as it is, it is gorgeous out here. Now, if you're at home and you suddenly hear lots of commotion in the background, it's probably because we had a couple of easy ups blow away, because that could very well happen. Uh, hopefully not, but we'll see. Um, well, this morning, you know, as we were, obviously we've, we've had to change some things. Uh, our plan was to be inside again, and then suddenly midweek, we got word that that wasn't gonna work. And uh, it was interesting as, all of us who were having conversations about how this was going to go, you know, as we gathered with the leadership team, as we talked to folks who were instrumental in kind of pulling this off this morning, the general sense was that of like weariness. This this idea of man, it feels like we're taking a step back. Like we were so excited that suddenly we could be together and see each other, and and now we're taking a step back. And I, you know, I just kept thinking through that whole time how much this experience has been one of varying degrees of suffering for everyone. Now, I know it, it might sound weird, especially for some of us to talk about this in terms of suffering, because some of us have suffered relatively little. We've done pretty well through all of this. But others have suffered in pretty significant ways. You know, there's been some of us, even here in our congregation, who have gotten COVID, who have been sick, and for whom that's been really difficult. Uh, some others who have, you know, recently I just got an email from someone who's a part of our congregation this morning who said how while she and, and her family, their, her immediate family didn't get sick, they have extended family who, who did. Um, a lot of people have been touched by this directly. Some of us have been hit by this really hard financially, either directly or indirectly. Some of us have not been able to see loved ones that we care a lot about, elderly parents or just others that we really care about but we can't see them. And all of these experiences of, of loss are suffering at some level. And it's interesting, so we've been going through 1 Peter. If you've been with us, we've been going through the letter of 1 Peter, this kind of really small letter in the back of the New Testament. And Peter's talking to this group of people, actually several groups of people spread about in what's now Turkey, um, talking to them about what it means to be the church. And in it, there, in chapter 4, which is what we're talking about this morning, he actually talks directly about suffering. So I, I didn't plan this. I didn't go, oh, hey, all of this stuff is going on. We should talk about suffering. It's just what... Peter's talking about as he's talking to this group of people who are trying to figure out what it looks like to be the church, to live as part of God's kingdom in the world. Inevitably, it's going to involve suffering because as humans, that's just part of the gig, right? Like we are finite creatures. Suffering is part of the experience of being human. It just is. So this morning, we're going to look at how Peter advises these folks to think about suffering and to respond in its face. So we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, it's kind of towards the end of the Bible in the New Testament. Uh, but I'm going to skip around a little bit. I do encourage you as we've been going through this, just read along with us from home. If you have a Bible or if you don't, you can find lots of great free resources online uh, to follow along. Uh, there's a lot that we're not getting to for the sake of time, um, but I, I encourage you to read with us. But this morning we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1. We read, Therefore... Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. 
offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So, as Peter talks about suffering, he's talking about a particular type of suffering, right? So he's addressing this group of people who are suffering specifically because of their faith, because of their faith in Christ, because their allegiance is to Jesus as Lord and not Caesar. They're suffering directly because of that. Uh, because whenever the, the values of what it means to follow Jesus as Lord butts up against the empire or whatever, whatever or group is trying to be in control, there are problems. And so these people were being, they were being persecuted. They were suffering specifically because of their faith. Our suffering, to whatever degree we're suffering, is not related to our faith. But I do think that Peter's instructions are still helpful as we engage this and think about what does it mean for us as we experience loss or suffering. And our tendency, I think, with suffering is to want to just get back to normal, especially when normal was kind of comfortable. You know, for a lot of us, we keep waiting for whatever normal is going to look like. We, we kind of want to hunker down and get through this so that on the other side, we can return to life that kind of makes sense to us, that, that we, had de- we had developed these rhythms that worked for us, and, and we're looking to return to that. But Peter doesn't actually, he, he doesn't call us to that hope. He doesn't call us to hope that everything will be all right in the end, like it'll just all go back to what it was before, just hold on tight. And it'll be, it, it'll get back to normal. It's not what he says at all. In fact, he's, he's not about giving platitudes or just pointing to optimism. He starts by reminding us what story we're a part of. He says, uh, he, he calls us back to remembering that we follow a Lord, a king, who suffered. That it wasn't just something Jesus did, but part of his very character was the God who suffers for us. That the way we understand the depth of God's love for us is Christ's suffering on the cross. That the God who suffered for us also suffers with us. He's with us in our suffering. But that his love is such that it conquers suffering. God understands our suffering and that even in the midst of it, what, what the suffering of Christ tells us, because of the resurrection, is that there's hope. That even in the midst of the darkest time, of the deepest suffering, God is at work to bring hope, to bring life, even to bring joy. Consider what Jesus' half-brother James says in his book, back kind of close to First Peter. He says this in James chapter 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now to our ears at first that sounds weird. Consider it pure joy whenever you experience suffering, trials of any kind. Like that just doesn't make sense to us. That's not how we think about it. Joy is the absence of suffering, not the presence of it. But James seems to think that there's something about suffering that we should take joy in. And I don't think it's because he's like a masochist. Uh, I think it's because 
as he points out in this verse, James actually gets that it's in the midst of suffering that we're reminded both of the reality and our responsibility. The reality is that as followers of Christ, we are tethered to something deeper than whatever our present situation is. We're tied to something that is deeper. Kind of like the, the image I kind of get when I think about it is the idea of a boat anchored and whatever's going on around it, whether it's storms or sunny days, the boat is fine because it's anchored to something deeper, something more solid. And our faith in Christ reminds us that we are anchored to a reality that transcends whatever experiences we're having, whether they're comfortable or uncomfortable. We are a part of God's kingdom, God's story, that will one day be kind of fulfilled as all things are made well, as all things are made new. That is the reality. That, regardless of what we're experiencing, that's what is true. We're tethered to the kingdom, which is eternal. And because of that reality, Peter, at, you hear the train? That's going to be... We'll, we'll pa pause for just a second. We, okay, all right. Because of that reality... Uh, I think it's fading enough that we can continue. Peter actually points to a responsibility. As people who are kind of tethered to the fact that we're part of this kingdom that extends beyond whatever we're experiencing right now, there's actually a responsibility that we have. Note how Peter goes from the reality to this idea of using our gifts to serve others. That because we're tethered to something deeper, because we have this hope that suffering doesn't have the last word, we have a responsibility to, to offer hope to others. Because we have experienced a love that conquers suffering, a love that's deeper than suffering, we have a responsibility to steward that love and to be channels of that love to others using the gifts that we've been given. Now in a couple of weeks, you know, we'll talk a lot more about this. In fact, we're gonna do a deep dive on some of these ideas of gifts uh, so I'm not going to get too into that today, but suffice it to say, each of us, each of you, has been given gifts. You've been given gifts that you are being invited to use in this context, at this moment, to be channels of this love that conquers suffering, that's greater than our suffering. Each of us, like we live in this time and place now and you live with your particular family or your roommates, the people that you find yourself kind of housed with during this time, in your particular neighborhood, you work at your particular place of employment. Now, maybe you're doing that virtually right now, but you still have coworkers you're engaging with. You still have work to do, things to create, ways to use your skills for the benefit of others. And all of that is the particular context that you've been called to. And as followers of Christ, our responsibility in that context is to say, what can I do with what I've been given? How do I use my gifts in this moment to offer hope, to offer love, to point to the deeper reality that I'm tethered to? How do I act as a channel of grace right now? 
I would say that is your calling. That your calling at this moment is to identify what gifts God has given you and how you can use those to be a channel of God's love and grace in this moment. Sure, we want to stop the suffering that's going on around us, but some of that is outside of our control. But what's not outside of your control is what you can do with what you have where you are. That is your call, even, dare I say, your responsibility as someone tethered to the kingdom of God. How do you use your gifts to bring hope and love and light in the lives of the people around you? Uh, Thinking about this brought me to uh, this book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's a really popular, or it was a, a very popular book for a long time. Frankl survived the Nazi concentration camps, and he wrote a book talking about how, how people survived. And essentially, he said those who survived were those who were able to find meaning in the midst of their suffering. And he says this towards the end of the book. He says, ultimately, man should not ask what the meaning of his life is, but rather he must recognize that it is he who is asked. In a word, each man is questioned by life, and he can only answer to life by answering for his own life. To life, he can only respond by being responsible. Wherever you are, whatever context God has you in, you have a responsibility, an opportunity, to be a channel of the love that you have received to the people around you. I know it's tempting to spend a lot of time kind of finger-pointing and complaining about things that are happening outside of our control that we're not crazy about, about situations that we can't change. But the opportunity that exists for us is to choose to instead spend our time and energy identifying what do I have to offer to be a channel of, of love and meaning and hope? How do, I, how do I own that? How do I offer that? We're going to end our time together this morning, at least in this section, uh, taking communion together. And then we are going to move into a a final worship song. And uh, I I promised you on the email that we have this special COVID communion technology. Mine fell. Let me grab this. So these are are pretty great. Um, So in in just a moment, I'll invite you to kind of stand. and, And we have these kind of scattered at different tables around. You can see them. And uh, they're individual cups. And on each one, uh, they have, this is my body, which is broken for you. It's a, it's a scripture reference from 1 Corinthians. Um, and so we're going to take them. You just take one, and you have uh, the wafer on top that's covered by plastic. You rip it off, take the wafer, and then we'll drink, take the juice together, the blood of Christ. And there's a, a separate plastic thing you rip back, and you take that. It's pretty handy. This is pretty amazing. Um, So we're going to take this, and we're going to take this this morning as a way to remind ourselves of the story that we're tethered to. That we're tethered to this story of the God who suffers and shows us that his love is greater than than any suffering, any any trial we could experience. That he, he conquers suffering and comes out the other end in the resurrection. And calls us to be people who offer that self-giving, suffering, conquering love to others. So I'm going to pray for us. And as I pray, I know typically we're taught in prayer to, uh, to close our eyes and bow our heads. But I'm just going to invite you as I pray for us to kind of grab your elements. And you, we have at four different tables, so we don't have to cluster too closely around these. Um, but at each of these tables, you'll find these. 
And as I lead us into prayer, and yeah, if you have a mask on and you want to don that as you go to get them, that's great. Um, but as I lead us into prayer, feel free to get up and grab them. If you're, you're sitting with a fa- your family, maybe one person could go and grab them for the sake of the whole family. Um, and when I'm done praying, I'm going to read a passage. And as we walk through that, we'll take communion together. So let me, and if you're at home, uh, feel free to grab whatever you have. If you have juice and crackers, if you have coffee and a little bit of a donut left over, whatever you got, uh, bring it with you and we'll, we'll celebrate communion together. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that in the midst of whatever reality we're in and at this current time, this, the challenging things that we face, we thank you that we're tethered to a deeper reality to your kingdom that lasts forever. A kingdom uh, that is ruled by a king who shows us the way of suffering love, and in that love conquers suffering and death and brings life. Would you remind us as we take communion together of the depth of your love and, and of the, the firm reality that we are tethered to? And would you inspire us by your spirit to identify the gifts that we've been given and how we are being invited to use those to bless those around us, to be a source of hope and life and love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Beginning in verse 23, Paul reads, or Paul writes, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. At this time, if you want to attempt to open your COVID technology or, or take your bread at home, whatever it is. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, He took the cup of wine after supper, saying, at this point, if you want to attempt to open your fancy cup here. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Father, we remember this morning that we are tethered to something deeper and greater than any suffering we experience. Remind us daily that we're part of your story. Fill us with your spirit that we would have courage to live as channels of your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.